Hi, I'm Raymond from Insert Quest here, and today we're talking to Australian game designer Paul Michivich, uh, sometimes known as Etten uh, online. Uh, why don't you say hello to everyone, Paul? Hey, what's up? Uh, Paul, I thought we might kick things off by having you tell us a little bit uh, about where uh, the game design stuff you're working on. Uh, sorry, the your your game design uh, background and history. Uh, some of our listeners are familiar with your work, um, but for those that aren't, can you give us a brief overview of your history as a game designer? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, the first uh, main product I did was a conversion of the dungeon world game uh, inverse world to the fate rules uh, since then i've written the uh, cosmic horror high school rpg breakfast cult and its expansions and i also and i also made a time card-based time travel game called retro causality that we kick-started a few months ago which i'm currently working on uh what's it yeah, wow. I didn't know that you'd... Uh, I'd, I was familiar with Retro Causality and Breakfast Cult. Um, I, wa I hadn't heard about you converting Inverse World to Fate. Um, yeah, that was one of the Kickstarter stretch goals, actually. For Inverse World? Yeah. Oh, wow, nice. Um, we've... Uh, I've played one game of Inverse World, actually. Uh, yeah, it wasn't too bad. Um, nice. We played it with... I played it uh, with Aaron or Aaron or A. a. Ron from uh, Role Playing Public Radio. Yeah, cool. Uh, well, there you go. That's kind of cool. Um, now, you can fate. now I can do it in Fate. I do kind of love Fate. Uh, can you tell us a bit more about Breakfast Cult? Did you? How did you describe it a minute ago? Some a cosmic horror game. Yes. Um, yeah, it's a cosmic horror game. It's uh, an original setting. They're like I'm. All the Lovecraft stuff is in an optional stretch goal. Um, the, the game is basically set in a near-future high school um, after the occult, occult sciences, as it's called in the setting, his setting, has been rediscovered. It's basically magic, but, you know, with math. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah Hypergeometry and the like. Yeah, it's, that stuff's pretty good. Have you played The Laundry? Uh, I have not. I am familiar with it, though. Uh, it's yeah, it's a little bit like that, I suppose. Uh, um, anyway, um, people would go to a, like a special school called the Coltar Academy to study it. It's run by a mysterious group called the Foundation, but uh, unknown to them, the Foundation also conducts like secret research into like black magic, that kind of stuff, in in like the basements of the school, and sometimes uh, that stuff gets out. And then, but, yeah, in play, it's kind of like a cosmic horror mystery thing with like high school drama. That's pretty good. I I do kind of love um, the combining of genres that has come out a lot lately uh, in the game design world um, of uh, traditional uh, genre thing plus teen drama or plus uh, yeah. plus plus high school right so like you like we have masks which to be fair there's like a bit of a history of superhero stuff set in high schools oh yeah um, I know it. I know what you mean, though. Yeah, but I we've seen a because, lot more of that lately in game design circles. Yeah, I, I think it's because it really helps if you have an excuse for all the characters to, like, hang out and, like, meet each other, and high school just makes that really easy because you just say, yeah, um, they're obligated to be in the same building five days a week. So we're, we're both uh, Australian uh, citizens at the very least. Yeah. Um, 
how much of the high school, this academy, is like an Australian high school and how much is it like uh, a high school that people might be more familiar with from pop culture, that is to say, an American high school? Uh, I think it's um, more more of a pop culture high school. Yeah, but that's it's not, not not exactly American, at least not all the time. Um, a little bit, a little bit's American, but it's mostly taken from like shows and comics and that sort of thing that I consume. So yeah. there's a, there's a bit of stuff like um, uh, Japan, I suppose. There's a little bit of uh, the UK in there as well. Yeah, I, a I mean, of characters I had just to have like a British person there, really. One of the main differences between like an Australian high school for those listening and uh, like an American high school is like an Australian high school doesn't have an enclosed cafeteria where there are like set meals uh, in a day and we don't generally have lockers. Our homerooms are not always a thing. Ah, lockers. Yeah. My, my high school was great about lockers, actually. Did you actually have them? Uh, no, but um, I was on my school's student council. Okay. And Basically, half of what the student council did is we'd have a meeting. We'd be like, we'd say, let's talk about some ideas we have for the school. Someone would say, let's do some lockers. And people would be like, oh, yeah, we, we, we talked about that last time. How did that go? And someone would say, oh, um, we, we asked the teachers and they said no. So someone else would be like, okay, yeah, let's, um, let, let's try again. Let's and table that discussion. Somehow um, we went around the locker discussion like 50 times. I don't understand how it kept going. I think it was just a Sisyphus thing at that point. Uh, a self-fulfilling, uh, a self-fulfilling meeting agenda. Yeah, basically. I mean, that could be like a, a plot hook for for a breakfast cult, surely. Actually, yes, yeah, something like that. Um, uh, I was reading through uh, the breakfast cult website earlier just to familiarise myself with the game because while I haven't had a chance to play with it, I have uh, read uh, through the book uh, on occasion. Uh, yeah. And I, uh, I, I noted that on the website, you talk about um, diversity and inclusion in the game. Um, and I was wondering if you could talk about how you approached that inclusiveness and diversity while you were making the game. Uh, yeah. Um, so basically, the actual the game is set in an international school. Like a Coal Tower Academy is supposed to have students from all over the world. They're picked because... Um, the foundation thinks they have like potential. Sometimes it's because they have actual psychic powers and that sort of thing. But basically, it's supposed to be um, people from all walks of life. So I've tried to actually represent that in the game a bit. Um, I, th- I thought about it. I know there's like um, a few other games. I've, you've probably seen some like this, but there's a few of them that have usually have like a sidebar mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. They say, oh yeah, hey, um, if you want to be LGBT in this setting, you can. That's cool. By the way, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I thought in this case, because I like writing characters and I knew I was going to include like a bunch of sample sample characters and a whole bunch of NPCs that can be used for encounters. I thought um, it would probably be best if I just did it and like demonstrated through those characters. So as a result of that uh, design choice, how many how many sample characters did you end up creating for your game? Oh, um, 20 and then there's another five or so. Um, NPCs that can also be used as sample characters, although some of them have abilities that I wouldn't really give to a PC, I suppose. That is a lot of sample char- uh, characters yeah. for an RPG. No, I, I reckon it's good, though. It's, um, it shows, it, it helps people figure out what kind of things you can do in the game. Oh, no, definitely. I agree. It's a very uh, cool idea. It um, costs a lot of money with portraits, though. Like, each one, the portrait costs at least 50 bucks. That's, I mean, that's not 
too bad for a character portrait. I'm kind of labeling that at least. I know some of But yeah, multiplying that by 20 to 25 ends up to be a lot. Um, Did you begin the process knowing that you wanted to have that kind of inclusivity in your product, that kind of diversity represented? Like, or was it something that came up later in the process when you're like, you know what, I should really make this more diverse? Um, it actually came up, came up at the start and mostly for a silly reason. Uh, I, I knew I wanted to do that in it at the start. So just because I haven't written that many products before, I wanted to make sure I did it. So I actually made a, um, a spreadsheet. Okay. I, I don't use the spreadsheet anymore, partly because half the people I talk to about the spreadsheet say, why would you use a spreadsheet? That is the silliest thing I've ever heard. But also because at some point I ended up uh, getting rid of a whole bunch of the characters. Uh, like a lot of them were Lovecraft references at the start, and I decided I wanted a completely original setting, so I just shunted almost all of them off to stretch goals. Okay. Well, I mean, so when I did that, I like replaced some of the characters, and I sort of messed up the spreadsheet, I suppose. Like at that, at that after I replaced them all, at that point, the spreadsheet was mostly meaningless. It was busy, like updating. It was busy work, and I kind of didn't need it anymore, I suppose. I mean, in my opinion, it's not that silly an idea if it led to uh, diversity, right? Oh yeah, it's it was mostly for um, practice. Like at at that point, Breakfast Cult was, I think, the first major commercial work I've done. Okay, cool. So yeah, it was ma- making sure. Um, the only thing I try to remember to do now is uh, in the core book and in each stretch goal, because the stretch goal expansion books have some more sample characters. Because I'm a more uh, I've tried to include at least one transgender or non-binary person in those. But cool. that, at that point, it's not really a hard rule. I, I just try to remember that now. Yeah, where where wherever you can include that kind of stuff. Yeah, and it's getting a little little bit weird because I, the way I write it, I'm trying not to just outright say that because that seems weird. I'm just trying to have it come across in the text. So there's a few characters where I don't use pronouns except they, that sort of thing. Yeah, it's not always, it doesn't always make sense to reveal something like that about a character or about a situation. I I know that I don't often introduce myself as, hi, I'm Raymond the Bisexual. Uh, yeah, basically. So I'm, I, I want to have those characters, I want to have like all sorts of characters in the game, but I just, I don't want to just come out and say, oh yeah, this guy is X, uh, this lady is Y, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm, I- show, I'm trying to show it. It is really annoying if you want to try to do it a different way each time. Yeah, I understand why yeah. that could be uh, difficult. Um, you've mentioned a few times that you have a lot of stretch goals uh, for this project. and uh, <laughs> Yeah, we promised them um, slightly too many stretch goals, I think. Would you like to hear the list? How, may, how, how, how too many is slightly too many? Is it perhaps... Uh, a colossal amount too many? Uh, you want to guess without looking? Uh, well, I don't have the page, your Kickstarter open. so That's why um, I said without looking. Um, let's see. I would guess that perhaps you have, um, I don't know, 10 promised supplements. Oh, uh, hold on, I need to count again. I mean, if it's... If it's a large enough number that he needs to physically count it, rather te- te- than just... te- technically it's ten. Technically ten. Wow, good guess by me. All right, yeah. Um, you ready? Yeah, go for it. Tell us all about it. All right. Um, the fir- the first one is actually out already. It's called Sweet Shove and Hellofotep, and that one has like all of the Lovecraft stuff that I took out of the main book, basically. 
that's it has like um uh, you know the great old ones that sort of thing lovecraft themed npcs and it has like an optional setting okay. where all the where the Cthulhu mythos is actually not fiction uh, after that is game over which is it, it adds a few things like factions um, mostly stuff like the student council and that sort of thing just goes into a bit goes into a bit more detail about the school Okay, adds cool. some stuff about like the settings technology and all that because it's a near future game and you can have like virtual reality if you want uh, that one's done but the art isn't done so backers have it but it's not commercially released until the art's ready which should be in the next let's say month okay cool i, I said that a month ago uh, anyway I'll, I'll try to get through the rest quickly after that there's terrible friends which is about the settings cults like the actual cults um yokai explosion which is about japanese mythology Mm. And if you alter that setting stuff things, um, Star Power, which is about magical girls. We love magical girls at uh, yeah, Insert Crest here. We yeah, um, people like the magical girls. That's basically why this expansion will, will exist. Um, Field Trip of Unknown Kadaf, which is another Lovecraft one. It includes some stuff that I couldn't fit in the first one. Uh, Dimension Cross, which is like just all alternate settings, like different th- different settings that you could run the same stuff in. Like, um, what if everybody at the school was a delinquent? I guess. Do you want to do Kramati High? There you go. <laughs> um, the book is just an excuse to do Kramati High, but there's a lot of stuff in there as well. Um, there's Black Yearbook, which is just going to be sample characters because I love writing sample characters and people love using them. Uh, Summer Survivor, which is supposed to be like some adventure, like an adventure module. It's supposed okay. to be based on Devil, uh, Devil Survivor, I think it is, in you know, Persona, that kind of thing. Um, Outer Science, which is about like the ancient ones, like the cosmic gods and all the evil stuff in the setting. Uh, then two more mythology books. There's Five Deadly Midterms, which is like Chinese mythology, and Fifth World Problems, which is uh, Mesoamerican. Oh, but, I love that kind of stuff. Uh, um, bad news, um, out of those, um, Five Deadly Midterms and uh, Fifth World Problems, probably going to get cancelled for budget reasons. We're a little bit over budget. Um, Fair enough. Most of the content is going to get folded into previous books. Uh, also, Summer Survivor was going to be written by someone else, but she has quit doing tabletop work at the moment so i'm thinking of doing that myself but i'm also thinking of making it like a, a larger game like a standalone thing okay you can run without breakfast cult, which would be cool but that would require like another kickstarter campaign i think because yeah. i don't have money for that and star power i'm thinking of expanding it all in the same way well it sounds like you've got a lot of work ahead of you uh yeah, um like it's mostly done i guess like most of the art's done and i've got like the writing down for the next two i think cool I mean, it sounds like there's a lot of interesting stuff there. Uh, it sounds like a pretty uh, expansive uh, game line of sorts. Yeah. Um. After this, I think Breakfast Cult will just be like a nice big self-contained game with a bunch yeah. of supplements, and I'm just never touching this again. Too much work. Uh, fair enough. Uh, we've never really worked on any games uh, over here, so... Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. If, if you do, and if you do like a Kickstarter campaign, just don't, pro- don't promise search goals. Proper stretch goals. Yeah, it's too much work. Interesting words of advice from uh, from Paul. Uh, you had another Kickstarter project recently. Um, we actually uh, backed, um, I think, uh, retro causality yeah. second edition or something to that effect. Uh, it's a first edition. Okay, I thought it was a, but it was a game you'd uh, you'd built before, right? Yeah, but it's a, it's a time travel game, so this is the first edition. Ah, okay, so it's the first edition. Ah, you get it. You I'm get on it. board. I'm on the trolley. Originally, we were going to call it like Retro Causality Advanced Second Edition Basic Revised Master Essentials, but I couldn't be bothered. 
Yeah, it's a lot to fit on a front cover. Yeah. Uh, so um, that one. Yeah, can yeah. you tell us a little bit about retro causality? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, that one was originally an entry to a game jam on the Something Awful forums. It's just a simple uh, game about time travel. There's no defined setting. It's just. It's partly because like a lot of people, there's a lot of different time travel stories, and a lot of people have like their own way of doing it that they like doing. So I try to have a simple system that accommodates all of that stuff. Uh, you can just play it with like regular playing cards if you want. Um, I reckon it's pretty good. I was just going to say, Breakfast Cult is a a Fate Accelerated game. Is Retro Causality a pre-existing engine, or did you build it uh, onto something else? No, I made it from scratch. It's just that you just use playing cards. Cool. Although, um, the way I made it, if you want to, you can add a time travel to another game with it. It's a pretty simple system, so it shouldn't be too difficult. Well, sort apart of. from the fact that you're interested. If you're adding time travel to a game, it's going to get like way more complicated, and there's nothing you can do about it. But apart from that, cool. Um, when uh, for people that are interested in finding out more about retro causality, is that out yet as a retail? Or um, is it still on the Kickstarters? Uh, originally, the, get, the contest was in like 2012, and I mm. won that. So I felt pretty confident. I made my own version of the PDF, and I posted that in 2013. This Kickstarter is for like an updated version of actual professional art and layout. Uh, that's not out yet. And in the meantime, I've taken the original off the store because I feel kind of bad if someone pays like five bucks for a game that's going to get replaced in a few months. Mm. But I did give it out for free to backers, so if someone wants the original, I can just give it to them. Actually, I should maybe I should just put maybe I should edit the campaign page or something to add it. Hmm. Yeah, it could be um, somewhere. Yeah, cool. Uh, I thought uh, uh, I th- I definitely found retro causality uh, an interesting idea when I saw it uh, on Kickstarter. Um, so yeah, I, I hope some people check that out. Uh, yeah, uh, we've talked a little bit about how uh, we're both Australians, um, mm-hmm. and I wanted to talk about, um, if you're willing, uh, the Australian game industry, uh, in particular, we role playing game stuff. Um, I it. It, it feels kind of, as a person that hasn't designed a game, it feels a little bit um, both non-existent and tight-knit. Um, uh, yeah, I suppose um, a lot of people that, like, even even a lot of the people that I know are actually in the US, like the people I worked with on Breakfast Call are in the US, for example. Um, I think there have been efforts lately to sort of fix that. Um, there is, do you know Steve D at all? Um, Steve D, he's working on Relic? I don't remember, actually. I, I'm uh, going to feel really bad if he is. He's going to listen to this and be like, what the fuck? I think at uh, Tin Star Games, right? Uh, yeah, Tin Star Games. Yeah, I think he's working on Relic, which is like okay, an so, angel game. Okay, yeah, so just Relic just seems like a slightly generic name for an RPG, so now I'm not sure what I'm thinking of. I'm sorry, Steve. Anyway, um, Steve <laughs> is setting up, Steve set up a um, Google Plus group for tabletop game design developers in Australia. He's been working on building it up. He's been doing a pretty good job of it, I think. Cool. I'm planning to meet at either CanCon or PAX to talk about it some more. Cool. Yeah. Actually, if you're interested, if you're interested you can come. Well, I won't be at PAX because uh, PAX is in Melbourne and I'm not made of enough money to travel uh, at oh. the moment. 
Yeah, I, I try to get there as cheaply as possible. So I sleep in a backpackers hotel and I get like the crappy Tiger Air flight, which is slightly better than getting stuffed in a coffin and fired out of a catapult in Melbourne's direction. I mean, if I had had a more delinquent youth, I could probably like ride a coal train or something to Melbourne. Uh, uh, actually, you can get pretty cheap train rides to Melbourne, but they take 12 hours and it's the worst. Hey, look, you know, you got. I got to read. You know, got to get through all this, all these yeah. game design things and all these game supplements. Yeah. Um, Wait, what are we talking? We were talking about um, tabletop in Australia. That's right. Indeed. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, so, do you do a lot of um, liaising with other Australian game designers? Do you? Um, not uh, not a lot, but I'm, I've been working on it um, up until about last year. I didn't really do any, but uh, Steve D kind of got me into it. So I've been going to, you know, conventions and that sort of thing. There's, you know, I just went to looking for group in, don't remember. It was in Sydney and I shouldn't know the name. It, it was Bankstown. somewhere in Sydney. No, it's Bankstown. For some reason, I was going to say Newcastle, but then I was like, no, that's not right. It's I mean, Newcastle's Newcastle. got in Sydney, but yeah. Yeah. Um, I went to looking for group in, uh, I just started to say Newcastle in, in Bankstown <laughs> like a couple of weeks ago. It was more of a board game convention, but if you were fussed with that, it was pretty good. Cool. I'm gonna go back to PAX. We might actually be doing a panel this year. Cool. Um, uh, I've been thinking of going to Etincon. It's a name that speaks to me. Yeah, I was actually gonna ask you about that. I keep seeing um, things for Etincon, and I was wondering if there was any connection between the two. Um, absolutely not. No. Um, if you see me saying so on Twitter, that is a joke. <laughs> Brilliant. It's not real. Um, I. I've been skipping out a little bit, even though it's probably the closest convention to me because uh, I usually go to hang out with friends, and most of my friends have not been going to Etincon. There have been I know I know someone who is going to Etincon, but uh, they're not like much of a friend, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that the Story Brewers frequently go to Etincon, um, who are the designers of Alas for the Awful Sea, and they're also based in Sydney. Yeah. Um, well, I might go say hi. I think I think Etincon is like twice yearly. Let me check. Yes, they have a summer and a winter. It's like um, like the Olympics, but faster. But faster, yeah. Every year, could you imagine if the Olympics was every year? Oh goodness, the next the next weekend. So many nations would be bankrupt if the actual Olympics was every year. <laughs> Cities lying in ruins. Oh, no, that would be the worst. Hair through them. Um, yeah, well, I, apparently Etincon is next week. Maybe I should go. Maybe you should. That'd be cool. We are we're certainly looking at going to not this round, but the next round um, of stuff. We may even have a game uh, then. Um, I also wanted to ask, in relation to the game design stuff in Australia, um, what kind of support is there for uh, Australian um, designers uh, of games? And, and in that context, I mean. Um, and I, I'm pretty sure I can guess the answer. Uh, have you found that there's any sort of government programs that are offering incentives at all? Um, not that I know of, actually. Yeah, I've mostly been like funding for Kickstarter and posting it to drive through RPG. Mm. But there could be something beyond that. Uh, if there is, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know. Like, I didn't even know about the um, library stuff. Oh, wait, have I told you about this? No. What library stuff? Uh, the, what's it called? The, the National Library of Australia. 
mm-hmm. or whatever it's called. Uh, technically, if you make a tabletop game book in Australia, uh, you are obligated to send them a copy so they can archive it. Wow, that's they, that's something I should remember. Um, yeah. And, and if there are any other Australian uh, RPG designers uh, around, um, remember that you've got to send an archive to the Australian uh, National Library. Yeah, um, apparently they didn't. They've they've recently discovered that tabletop games are a thing, so they're kind of trying to collect them. Uh, I I know it because Steve D met someone from the library and told me about it. Wow, I would. Uh... Uh, technically, I'm um, federal. Well, here's the text I just found, actually. Federal legal deposit legislation requires that one copy of any hard copy publication be sent to the, to the National Library within one month of publication. So um, <clears throat> if they ask, I haven't published my first yet. Well, there you go. Uh, that's, uh, that's interesting. Um, I wonder what it, if there's a way to get access to that archive. I'd be interested to see what role-playing games have been published. I, I, I think you just go to... The library, the National Library of Australia. Which I assume is in Canberra. Probably. I'm going to have a look at this. It's either in Canberra or Sydney, right? Because, I mean, it could be in Melbourne, but why would it be in Melbourne? It was in Canberra. Yeah, Canberra. Yeah. There you go. And um, they're, they're collecting PDFs as well, so they'll probably distribute, oh. distribute those to libraries, I suppose. Wow, that's. I've seen. I have friends that work in libraries and um, their parents that work as librarians, and one friend. Um, when we played Warhammer in high school, he would get his dad, who worked at the the city library, to bring home copies of um, White Dwarf, which is the magazine for uh, yeah, uh, Warhammer. Uh, so he never bought a copy of uh, White Dwarf. He'd just have his dad bring home that month's uh, copy from the from the library, and he'd just read it and then return it with his dad. Yeah, fair enough. Um, Wow, that's that's interesting that the National Library has to have a copy. Um, yeah, and they've been like at least one person there actually likes playing tabletop games. They would be keen to get your books and supplements. Yeah, there you okay. go. I actually, I, I've been talking to the guy over email. He sent me a link to his board game, so let me have pull this up. He's got Race to the Gold Diggings of Australia. The heck? Oh. These games are from the eighteen hundreds. What the what? My oh my goodness. Adventures of a Mailman for two, three, or four players. Adventures of the Mailman? <laughs> wow. Yeah, I, Melbourne Cup race game. Uh, I've heard of the Melbourne Cup race game. The National Bicycle Game. <laughs> These are crazy. This is... Wow. I feel like... Okay, I'm, I'm skipping to the end. Okay. Nurumuru, I think it is. The Game of Aboriginal Exploration. That's kind huh. of cool. If it's not yeah, exploitative. I hope it's not exploitative. I'm clicking this. Please be, please be designed by uh, Native the, Australians. Uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. <laughs> what? Oh, yeah, it was made in Philadelphia. Um, it was made as a course requirement towards Master of Fine Arts wow. at a university in Philadelphia, and the guy's name is Brian Satellino, so I'm, I have no idea, to be honest. Mm, yeah, I'm not uh, feeling it, super confident that that's a good uh, game. The, the game mechanics are influenced by Settlers of Catan. This is... Uh, Wait, ticket uh, to ride and ticket to ride. That's that's good. Yeah, I've heard. Anyway, going back down this list. Power <laughs> wow. grid. Power grid like, expansion. I feel like there could be an entire podcast series about going through the the National Australia uh, Library's archive of games. The, the White Australia game by White Man Games. Oh wow, that um, sounds horrible. Um, I'm not a fan of what I'm reading. I suppose I could be wrong. 
Um, wow. Uh, so I, uh, I have a viewer question here or a listener's question. Um, yeah, sure. This comes from uh, Sam, who is a fan, uh, a fan of uh, our podcast as well as our role-playing public radio and a few others. Uh, and Sam wants me to ask you specifically about Cthulhu Tech because apparently you wrote something about it for something awful. Oh, goodness. Oh, that was a while ago. I should get back into it. Actually, I definitely shouldn't. Um, so I've... what was it that you wrote about Cthulhu Tech, a notoriously bad game? Okay, I okay. There on on the something awful forums in their traditional game section where I moderate, there is a Fred series called Fatal and Friends. For those that don't know, Fatal is an even more notoriously bad game. Yeah, it's basically a book review, Fred. They're not all terrible games. It's just it's just a weird title. Sometimes they are. Yeah, um, people just review funny, like ideally funny games or bad games, and they just talk about what's in them. It's usually they go chapter by chapter, just discussing what's in there and why it sucks. Or sometimes why it's good. But I covered Cthulhu Tech for those because uh, I am probably okay. You know, you know how a lot of ta- a lot of big tabletop games have like they have that fan, and all he talks about is how much the game fucking sucks. And then you yes. realize he has like a thousand posts on their forums or whatever. And I, you just think, why are you still playing I'm this a, fucking game? I'm a little bit of that for World of Darkness. I, I'm I'm extremely that for Cthulhu Tech. Wow. I, I, I like the setting. I like the setup. And just the execution is a little bit... There is a certain aspect of the premise of Cthulhu Tech that I can get behind. And for those that are, who are not familiar with Cthulhu Tech, the premise part that I can get behind is the idea... Central premise of most Cthulhu uh, media uh, is that uh, humanity cannot stand against these immense unknowable gods uh, and that, we would, uh, that once they revealed their true power, we would all uh, collapse under the weight of them. Um, Cthulhu Tech has always been pitched to me as kind of a bit like Pacific Rim in that, fuck that noise, humanity refuses to go down without a fight. That I can get behind. But as are, are, been... are, you, are, you are you ready for this? I'll tell you about it. Yeah, go for it. Okay, Cthulhu Tech is it's supposed to be uh, the Cthulhu Mythos plus uh, Robotech. That's the name. Uh, with a little bit of Evangelion. The idea is, you know, you're fighting a mecha war against uh, the, partly the Migro, partly the Deep Ones, and partly like a bunch of cult- cultists of Hustar, I think. And uh, the, uh, the meta plot never really got that far, but the idea was supposed to, supposedly that uh, humanity would eventually win with you know heavy losses, I suppose, or a lot of setbacks. A um, couple of problems with that. First, the game has a meta plot. Yeah. yeah. Meta plots in, in <laughs> role-playing games, generally really bad ideas. Uh, yeah, um, I'll get back to that in a minute. But also, it's also there's another setting in that setting that I actually really, really, really like. It's uh, Cthulhu plus Gaiva, and uh, to be honest, yeah. um, it, it's it's Gaiva with the nouns changed. It's just it's just Gaiva. It changed yeah. the it's changed Zoanoids to Doanoids. Yeah, they have actually, all, they have organic armor. Like actually, armor. it's a very it's actually like a very clever um, Cthulhu reference. Like it's actually really good. So Dornoids got changed to Zornoids. Uh, the Kronos Corporation got changed to the Chrysalis Corporation and all that sort of thing. Uh, anyway, okay, the main problem is there's that and then there's also a third game inside that, which is just, you know, regular people in, like, for example, like the FBI or the police or just law enforcement just doing mystery stuff or, you know, solving crimes. And the first problem is the system tries to cover all three of these at once. Yeah, when they could, they could not- be distinctly different 
games. Uh, yeah, like actually the second edition is actually splitting them in, up into like multiple games. So they don't have a situation where, for example, like you have rules for powered armor that don't really work in games where not everybody has a mech, but you can still bring the powered armor and just beat the shit out of everybody. Like a lot of the gear in the game is basically whatever the GM reckons you can get away with, you can have it. Wow, that's that is occasionally a good rule, but I can see that being not a good rule for this game. Yeah, when you're was... playing a game that's meant to at least partially be about the cost of war, you shouldn't be able to just get away with having a mech. I, I, like, I was being a little bit hyperbolic when I wrote it, but I wrote like an example campaign where I like went through character creation and that kind of thing, and uh, I had one character who ended up they were just like a regular person, but with like a RPG and then a cop who got like a suit of powered armor because cops get that but he actually did way more damage than like the actual Tego who could turn into like a massive monster wow and that kind of thing uh there's a few other awkward things in there um character in character creation incentivizes you to take some odd stuff um like for example there's a trait you can take called outsider tainted which gives you like you have like some kind of weird monstrous mutation because of your exposure to the Mythos or whatever and it makes your life harder. And one of the examples is um, hentai genitalia. Yeah. So you, you can, you can, you're incentivized to well, just have, uh, A quick, quick uh, aside. Uh, yeah. I have a feeling that we might need to put a quick content warning up here. So content warning, we're going to talk about hentai genitalia. Go on. Um, no, it's actually one sentence. I was just going to say the game incentivizes you to have some kind of ridiculous monster penis, I guess. It. Yeah, Cthulhu Tech is a lot of very small problems, like, not small, but a, a lot of problems that just, you could just delete one sentence and it would be fine. You could just not have included hentai genitalia you as an option. Not, you just could have not written that. Um, there's a, a bunch of other stuff. Um, the author thought that if Lovecraft were around in the modern day, he would probably use sexual assault as, like, a, a shock horror thing instead of... To be uh, honest, yes. I wouldn't be surprised if Lovecraft would have used that. He was a notorious oh, if, racist. Uh, if Lovecraft lived in the modern day, he wouldn't be writing novels. He would be probably making Reddit posts, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I've I've heard about there's a lot of um, sexual violence um, mm. used in the game um, in ways that are not nuanced. Um, and, yeah, uh, and some of them are like references to... Um, again, hentai, I suppose. Like, I, f- I forget the name because for some reason this isn't really something I got into. But yeah, there's. Oh, weird! This isn't something you got into. I, I'm not even going to try to remember this. I don't really care. Yeah. Uh, there's uh, a lot of lot of other things. Um, Metaplot. There's two books for the Metaplot: uh, Damnation of You and Burning Horizon. Uh, each one has a bunch of adventures in them. Mm. So uh, for I those of you who aren't familiar with what um, Metaplot is, my understanding is that Metaplot is when a role-playing game's setting um, advances and has set narrative events that unfold um, and are normally released. For example, the old World of Darkness, the original World of Darkness, had consistent Metaplot things happening all the freaking time. Yeah. And, um, like and they were bad. Yeah. <laughs> Like, one of the main problems with Metaplot is, like, the Metaplot books, they have adventures in them, and the adventures advance the plot, right? They're yeah. supposed to, like, play through one book and then wait for the other one to come out and then play through that, and then that's it because the other books in the series never actually came out. They're just doing a second edition now, so I don't know what's going on with that. Wasn't there a 
book for one of the Metaplot Adventure books, actually, that had ad- ads in it for other books that they were going to release that ne- then never got released? Uh, something like that, yeah. I think, uh, or at, at the very least, um, they were planning Metaplot books in advance and those books never came out. But I think they also cancelled another book in line. Mm. Um, anyway, what I was going to say is one of the problems with Metaplot books is you for the adventures to work, you need the early adventures to go like as planned. You can't go off the rails too much because I don't know if, if for example, um, your PCs managed to kill half the NPCs that will come up in the next adventure. Then what are you going to do now, huh? Yeah. So a lot of them are like very railroady. Uh, one of them, in one of them, you actually watch somebody else solve the adventure for you at the end. Wow, that's dumb. The, the climactic final fight is between NPCs and NPCs. I've yeah, done that. I've, like I've run that one. adventure before. Yeah, that's, that's generally yeah. a really bad ending. Uh, um, that one. That one was also the one with like um, half animal people who had like um, pheromones and oh god, did the sexual violence and stuff. Oh god! Actually, this that one was really annoying me. This is all coming back to me now. That one was annoying me because, as written, it was actually physically impossible for them to do what they do. I'm pretty sure because the. They were mostly fighting the Takers, which was their version of the Givers, and they had some kind. They they were immune to like you know like gas attacks and like airborne stuff. Like they, I forget, I, you know, I forget the details now. I don't really want to look it up, but they were immune to this guy's main attack, and it just kind of assumed that they'd get attacked anyway. Yeah, that's weird that 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 game could be so inconsistent. I I also recall reading somewhere that its central mechanic is really inconsistent. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, the system is a lot like World of Darkness, actually, but it's very weirdly constructed and swingy, swingy I suppose. Yeah, it's like so it is described as being both like blackjack and poker in the same paragraph where they're describing the mechanic in the game. Uh, yeah, you um, you roll your dice and then you try to get stuff like pairs or three of a kind or whatever. Yeah, yeah, it's not very well made. Oh, also, there was one bit in the meta plot I liked actually. Um, there is. A, there's an alien species in the setting. They're called the Nazadi, I think. They're basically, um, you know, those alien dudes from uh, Robotech. Kind of uh, yeah. Big green, the big green guys. They're that, but instead of big green dudes, they're um, like they're drought. They're dark elves. They're just dark elves. They're weirdly presented dark elves. Oh wow, that's um, a strange thing to put in your Cthulhu game. <laughs> um, off the top of my head, I think they were created by the Migo to like take over the Earth for them, and that was like a war in the settings backstory and then that didn't yes, work. Yes, I recall like, this plot and then like the they were like, yeah, let's, let's just hang out. And we're like, let's join the humans or something. Yeah, and the Migo were like, you know what, fuck it, let's um, let's just attack ourselves. But I remember one of the books suggested something like that, that the Migo might have put like a kill switch in the Nazadi, like a like they were by they were created with like the Migo's genetic mastery powers or whatever. And so I, I forget if this was like just a like a, a plot hook that was suggested or if it was like a canon thing now. But I remember something about like the Migo put a biological kill switch so they could just like kill the Nazadi if they wanted to, but for some reason it didn't work. Like maybe there was a mutation or something and it just doesn't work anymore. And I really liked that because I was just imagining like, okay, so the war starts, this like Migo commander guy, he's in like his battleship or whatever, looking at the earth, thinking, all right, let's do this. Let's do genocide. So he presses like this big fancy red button that's going to kill all of the Nazadi or whatever, he just presses it. And nothing happens. And then, like, you know, just picture picture Amigo. He's just standing there looking at the button. He's like, hmm? just just slapping it. <laughs> is, is it broken? Can, can, can someone can someone come over and tell us what's going on? Why isn't this entire race that we built dying? 
did Jamigo have tech support? Can somebody get over here? Yeah, this, wow, this this conversation went off the rails. We're just talking about like a game I didn't even make that I hated like three years ago. Uh brilliant. Um, uh, but you know, your, your none of your games have a have a better plot, right? Um, not really. There's some implied stuff, but I'm mostly leaving it. Um, if I do, I think I mentioned I was thinking of I'm spinning off a couple of the expansions into like standalone games. Yes. Uh, I was considering having at least one of them be set after, like, actual Breakfast Cult, just so I could bring some of the characters back as, you know, college students or graduates now. Okay. Like, doing adult things, that would be kind of cool. Um, um, I'm also th- actually thinking of borrowing some stuff from Cthulhu Tech, because actually, like, I really liked their Diver stuff. Hmm? It was, I think it was really well done. I liked it. I actually did a campaign around it once in <laughs> Fate, actually. But, yeah. Yeah, it was pretty good. Like, that part I like. Hey, cool. So, so despite all of my talking about how much I fucking hate this game, I'm still going to get in one Cthulhu Tech 2nd Edition, probably. Well, I mean, look, that's your right as a capitalist consumer um, to buy products that are bad. Uh, <laughs> hey, it could uh, be good. It, it could be. It could It could defy all odds. I, I am, like, 90% certain that they've read my reviews on... Uh, on something awful. I hope it, they didn't. It could start an RPG renaissance. It could be the. It can be the. It could be you know the defining book of of our medium. God, yeah, I hope not. In hindsight, I feel like I sort of uh, fell into. I guess I don't want to say it's a trap, but you know that like the mid two thousands thing where everyone thought what they were really into for some fucking reason was like really negative reviews by some guy called, I don't know, like, The Angry Gamer or The Angry Yeah, Game there was a lot of the, the only valid review is a negative review sort of stuff. Like, if you can't rip it to shreds, then you don't love it. Yeah, like um, Zero Punctuation, for example. I thought I used to think that was really funny, and mm. I still kind of do, but after a while, I just, like, I don't, I don't need this in my life. I want, to, I want to hear some nice things about nice games. Yeah, I get that. Sometimes you just want to have some positivity in your goddamn. Yeah, so I, I, I haven't actually finished the, rev- finished the reviews. I kind of stopped. Hmm. Um, actually, part of the reason I stopped is because I reviewed this black book, Multiple Enemies, which is, I think it was that one. One of them is just about the setting, and it is, oh my god, it is so boring. Well, considering how boring it is, I thought we might uh, transition into yeah, the Yeah, let's, seg- let's segue. That's a, if you've got something to ask about stretch goals, maybe that's a good segue. Are you done? No, no, no. I have, I have some other, uh, some other stuff that I wanted to talk about. I wanted to ask okay, you about um, uh, your your future projects and where you're planning to go from here as a game designer. With um, Breakfast Cult being, I mean, I don't, I don't know specifically how financially successful it is, but it's been quite well received in at least in the circles uh, I move in. Yeah, um, we have sold. I don't know how many copies. Many. I, I, the, the, yeah, the main problem is I am not the guy in charge of the publisher site on Drive Through RPG. So if I want a sales report, I have to ask my American friend who's probably not awake right now, and okay, I haven't asked fair. him in months. But I, um, I do know that we sold. Uh, I know we did a Halloween thing for the bundle of holding. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! Got, cool. Yeah, so we got like hundreds of sales off that at least, and but we've got way more just off Drive Through RPG in general. And I think maybe the last time I asked, which might have been like last year at this point, it was like one and a half thousand copies sold or something like that. Uh, and to be clear, that's a lot for a role-playing game. Yeah, actually, yeah, we've done pretty well for a game like 
retrocausality sold a few hundred, which was already like really amazing. But Breakfast Court will probably do at least 10 times that. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Cool. Uh, at the moment, I'm trying to finish those stretch goals. I'm thinking of making uh, those standalone games for the Magical Girl expansion and the Persona expansion. Like originally, it was going to be something like Devil Survivor or whatever, but that was years ago. The person who was writing it, they're gone now, and I played Persona 5 recently, so it's going to be Persona. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> well, you don't have to apologize to us. We're just happy to hear that you're uh, that you're being creative and, and making new, new products. Yeah, um, I've got a few smaller things that I'm working on. Uh, at the moment, I'm mostly working on them when I've sent off a bunch of stuff to get laid out for Breakfast Court and Retro Causality, and I'm waiting to get that back until uh, before I continue it. Do you have any... Can you reveal anything about these side projects, or would you like to uh, continue playing them close to your chest? No, no, no. There's, there's no secret. Just it's not, Actually, a couple of them are secret, but mostly because I'm working on them with other people. Mm-hmm who would like to keep it a secret for now. Yeah, fair enough. Um, recently, I entered the Game Chef Game Jam mm-hmm. with a game called Decepticon, which was about like augmented reality. I might expand that a little bit. Um, at the moment, I'm working on a uh, game called Dungeons While You Wait, which is a game about like a company in a and d style setting that like builds dungeons for people. Oh, cool. Uh, do you like rolling on tables? Because rolling on tables is like a central mechanic of this game. You've got to roll on tables. Um, oh, yeah, you've definitely got to roll on tables. And in fact, you actually have to do that to use some of your abilities. Wow. So I, cool. I, I hope you like tables. Um, that sounds like well, a fun bureaucracy simulator. Yeah, there's a couple of other ideas that I want to do, but I'm not going to do anything yet until I get, a, at the very least, retro causality out of the way. I think um, I'm not sure like how I'll do these yet. I'm thinking of starting, like, some of these, like the dungeon game, they're a lot smaller than Breakfast Court. So I might do it on um, Patreon forum. Yeah, this. Patreon is um, yeah becoming super popular amongst game designers. Yeah, I might I might do that. I might content. do um, a Kickstarter for like just a few of them at once, just because they're very small games. Mm. Um, there's another one. Actually, there's two more that I've been working on that I can't release for various reasons. Um, the first one is Wet Runner, which is have you played Leverage? Oh, I'm familiar Leverage? with it. I'm familiar with it. Okay, it's leverage, but it's cyberpunk, and you're stealing people's fish. Brilliant. I'm into like, it. Yeah, like, you're not... Just imagine, like, a cyberpunk heist where you're, like, breaking into, like, a rich guy's skyscraper, but all you want is this coin. Yeah. yeah, you're just going to get in that, get in his aquarium, get that shit, and get back down. That is... Um, that's right up. That that's like peak weird role playing game stuff. Yeah. Like uh, like Honey Heist. Or I found an RPG recently where you play as dinosaurs that have escaped from Jurassic Park, but like you're not like the main protagonisty dinosaurs, you're just red dinosaurs that are trying to work out how, how to get fed when there's no keeper and uh, uh, after this you need to tell me more about that because I wanna play that now. I will see if I can dig it up for you. Yeah. Um, well, it, was, it, it has been a pleasure uh, talking to you, and I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to sort of cut you off a little. Oh, yeah, we're, we're about an hour in, aren't we? Well, yeah, but I, I also feel like you and I could keep talking about this kind of stuff forever and ever and ever. Um, and, yeah, uh, you want to do it? Infinity I, podcast. Yeah, let's just keep on going. Let me just uh, let me just grab another bottle of water. We'll just we'll go to hour yeah. two. Um so for people that want to find out more from you, where can they where can they find you online and whatnot? Um, on, at the moment, it's mostly Twitter. Really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so and edit. <coughs> Sorry, I had a glass of water right at the end and I choked on it. 
I love that when that happens. Yeah. Let me mute the microphone so I can cough a lot. Uh, brilliant. Um, All right, I'm back. Um, it's Edin64 on Twitter. Edin64 on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, and Edin tends to do a, do a lot of kind of funny stuff on Twitter in terms of they're, changing. They're good posts. They're, changing good, posts, right? they're good, wholesome, damn, yeah, no, far more posts. Free-range posts. Free-range <laughs> Free range posts. Good Go GMO your anyway. posts. Um, yeah. Wonderful. Well, you thank do a you. For that? Uh, no, they should be fine. They're, they're, yeah, they're, they're, we're a pro GMO kind of podcast over here. Well, yeah. Um, if I do like a Patreon or another crowdfunding thing after Retrocrisal, it'll, it'll be up there. So. Brilliant. Um, and please check out uh, Retro Causality and Breakfast Cult uh, over on Drive Through RPG and Kickstarter. Um, um, and yeah. Cthulhu Tech, yeah. <laughs> and uh, why not also check out Cthulhu Tech while you're there? I, those I, feel, guys. Bad. I feel bad that we spent like half that time trash talking. Like, well done, whoever sent that. Yeah, well done, Sam, for getting us to talk about Cthulhu <laughs> Tech for the majority of the recording. Um, yeah. It was a pleasure talking to you, uh, Etten. Um, <laughs> And uh, and for those uh, those at home, please remember to check out our, uh, our other content over on our WordPress site, um, or check us out on Twitter. Um, we're also currently on SoundCloud, although we'll see how long that holds. Uh, and uh, you can find us on a bunch of social media stuff just by uh, searching for Insert Quest here. Um, but other than that, uh, farewell from the past. I'm Raymond.